Take your Bible, John chapter 20, please. John chapter number 20 in your Bible. Continue on our series of messages uh, begun sometime last year in the book of John entitled, Why Christianity is Special. There's so many different religions and cults and denominations in the world today. I just thought it would be good that we study the book of John, not verse by verse, but subject by subject. And so uh, we've arrived at John chapter number 20. I read for you verse 1, and then down to verse 11. And uh, if you've been watching television, you've probably heard the name Mary Magdalene. And if you were to Google the name Mary Magdalene, I wouldn't. But you will find a lot of ideas concerning this lady of whom we speak this morning. Uh, I won't take you into that, but, uh, uh, well, let's just look at verse 1. And the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, under the sepulcher, and sealed the stone taken away from the sepulcher. First of all, she must have been a brave lady. She's running around in the dark in the graveyard by herself. Uh, I wouldn't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. And if you want to do that, you have at it. And one thing I don't want to find in the graveyard, an open grave. And the Bible said the sepulcher was empty or open. Verse 11, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And seeing two angels in white sitting, the one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord. And I know not where they have laid him. When she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us in the brief few moments that we have through the text and maybe... In the text, we can find an application or principles that might apply to our life as we serve the Lord here today. The scripture is no good without application. Did you hear me? 
The preaching is no good if there's no application to you. So now don't get mad if you leave this morning and say the preacher was preaching to me. That's why you're here. Because you come to watch the show and you put anything in the offering plate, it won't be worth what you paid. So today, the text needs to apply to us, to the young, to the old. Father, today I pray for divine guidance and Lord, that you would open the understanding of all, including myself. And Lord, that you take this very inept, person, and may the Spirit of God take the message of God and apply it to the hearts of the people of God. We ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mary Magdalene is a very strange person a lot of sundry and different ideas concerning the woman. You read commentaries and you will find that some say she was a prostitute. But the Bible does not state that at all. In the book of Luke chapter 8, it states it was out of her that Jesus cast several demons. And because of God's deliverance in her life, she fell deeply headlong in love with her Savior. By the way, the Bible said, for those who he did much, love much. Is that not so? And so she fell in love with the Savior. Because of that, there have been suggestions of illicitness. Some have even propagated that Jesus married Mary Magdalene, and that she had four children by him, which is nothing short of blaspheme. And I have nothing to do with the Da Vinci Code or the idiots who wrote it. I have never watched it. I have never read the book. And if I did, I would remain unclean for several days. I don't know about you. But I have nothing to do with anybody who would blaspheme our Savior in any form or fashion. So Mary Magdalene is a Christian who has been saved and delivered by the Savior. And in retrospect, and in a result of that, she has fallen deeply in love with our Lord. She is the first at the tomb of our Savior. Notice, if you would please, she was there. And I want you to notice three things that I don't understand. Notice, if you would, our text in verse 11. And I'd like to bring you a message out of this text. And I want you to notice on the screen, and as I read this text, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher Weeping. But Mary stood without the sepulchre weeping. Weeping? 
She should have been shouting. Weeping. She should have been praising. Weeping. Weeping at the empty tomb of a risen Savior. Weeping. I I, kind of, that kind of hit me. Weeping over an empty tomb. Weeping when all he has said would come to pass has come to pass. Weeping when all prophecy concerning our Savior has been completely fulfilled. Weeping. Standing without while weeping within. Does that, does that even hit a note in your life? Does that strike any questions in your life why she would be weeping? It's hard for me to weep at a Christian funeral. I have preached my father's funeral and I wept and I preached my mother's funeral. And folks ask, how did you have the strength to do that? It is not strength. It is knowing that they're not there. It is realizing that when they put a body that my father has completely worn out in a graveyard that he is not there. Weeping Mary, what in God's name are you doing standing outside of an empty tomb, void of the Savior, void of death, void of decay, void of all that is human, and you're weeping? Standing outside while weeping within. And I said to myself, because there was no one else there. (laughs) I said, self, why is she weeping? What's wrong with this picture? And I jotted down three things that was wrong with Mary's experience at the empty tomb. Notice, boy, I tell you, you folks look asleep or afraid. You look like a calf looking at a new gate. You don't know where to jump or run. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at Mary. I'm not mad at Jesus, not even mad at the tomb. Smile, it would help me a little bit. And I I think I discovered in the text three things that was wrong with the experience of Mary at the tomb. First of all, I noticed maybe what she saw was wrong. If you notice in in your Bible, verse 12, what she saw was wrong. By the way, What are you looking for when you come to the Joshua Baptist Church on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock? 
what she saw at the tomb was wrong. She saw two angels sitting on either end of the bench and she majored on the angels when she ought to have been looking at a tomb that was empty. She was overwhelmed that those shiny creatures in verse 12 sitting at the end of the bench. And I'm sure if I'd have been there, I'd have been impressed. If it was dark outside and the earth had just shook and the angel descended like lightning and rolled the stone back, probably I would have been looking for the wrong thing. I'd have been looking for a way out. But nonetheless, the reason she had a wrong, a wrong result and a wrong emotions is because she was looking, she saw the wrong thing. Man, she ought to have been rejoicing that the tomb was empty. But no, she was all caught up in looking for a body. And when she did not see what she was expecting to see, she received the wrong experience. What do you expect to see today? What is it that's either going to make you happy, put glee in your life, or disappointment when you leave today? The reason most folk don't get anything out of church, they don't bring anything to put it in. And when they come, they don't know what they are looking for. So when they find it, they don't know they've had it because they're still looking for what they want instead of what God wants. She had a bad experience because she was looking For the wrong thing. And she saw the wrong thing. Verse 15. Not only did she see the wrong thing. She supposed. What she supposed was wrong. Look at verse 15. Verse 15. The Bible said. In the middle of the verse. She supposing him to be the gardener. The one she was looking for. She was looking straight at. And she supposed that he was the gardener. Did you ever see that? You come to church supposing to see and to get what you suppose you need when all the time he's been right there. You don't bring him to church. She supposed that Jesus was the gardener. How did she mistake him for the gardener? Could it be she was so filled with remorse and sorrow that she had lost her faith? And looking through tear-stained eyes and a heart that is breaking and looking for the body of Jesus, she's looking at a live Jesus and she's supposing He's the gardener. You say, what does that have to do with me? Supposition is a dangerous animal. 
The Bible said when they knew God, do God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Supposition is a crazy thing. The wife that supposes that the husband has been out with somebody else. Since he's been gone for three days, he comes home and tells her he had a flat tire. She supposes he's telling the truth. You ever heard of AAA? Supposition is a dangerous animal. And she had a negative experience because she saw the wrong thing. She supposed the wrong thing. And lastly, she said the wrong thing. Verse 15. She said the wrong thing. She supposed him to be the gardener. Saith to him. Now this is what she said. Sir, if thou hast borne him from thence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Blinded. By her own supposition, blinded by her lack of faith, blinded for her lack of trusting what God has said, blinded, she did not recognize who she saw, blinded, she developed hoof and mouth disease. Tell me where's that? And I'll go get him and bury him away. You know, if I had that kind of experience, I'd probably be crying too. But thank God, I'm not looking at some angels. I'm not listening to the gardener. I'm trusting the book. And so this empty tomb is a place for shouting. It's a place to say amen. Notice, if you would, she's standing there. She was surrounded with glorious and wonderful fulfillment of prophecy. Notice, hell had been shaken for an eternal loop. Bless your heart. Satan has been wounded in the head. Death has been defeated. Victory has been won. Reasons to shout, and she is standing without. Standing without, standing outside, weeping. For several days, I said, is there a lesson here for us? And if there is not, I'm about to waste your time. But I begin to think, and here stands A lady who loves Jesus with all of her heart. Standing in the face of infallible truths. That everything Christ has said, he has fulfilled. And she's standing there weeping. 
is it possible that you and I can be in a sacred place and still be outside? Is it possible for you and I to be surrounded with victorious truths? Is it possible for you and I to be in the midst of a place where heaven has come down and glory has begun to give the victory and us be standing there physically, emotionally, and spiritually standing there and deep inside nothing but weeping and sorrow and tears. She is standing. If Moses was standing on holy ground, Mary had to be standing on holy ground. If when a burning bush is burnt and not dissolved and not burnt up, and Moses is told, take your shoes off because the ground you're standing is holy ground. If that was holy ground, yonder on the backside of the desert when Moses saw the bush on fire, if that was holy ground, surely the ground that was vacated and raised up by the glory of God, that's got to be holy ground. Sacred place. They have told me I've never been to the Holy Land. I've had several folks want me to go. And uh, I just, please excuse me, I just don't need to go someplace where an unbeliever is telling me about a place that I ought to believe in. So when I go, my tour guide will be the one who rose from the dead. Amen. You say, well, preacher, I've been there and I like it. Good. I'll bet you if you went there, they told you one of the most sacred places on all the earth is the empty tomb. If you Google, and I don't do Google very often, but I Googled this morning and just put in sacred places. And it came up on my screen Over 1,250 sacred places. Everything from a a shrine in India to a bunch of cows in India to Muhammad and all of the... And I just said 1,250 sacred places. And, of course, I was by myself. And I said, you know, I think I'll just jot down three sacred places that I think would probably be more sacred than any other place in all of history to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then I asked myself the question, is it possible to stand there and still be outside? I think one of the most sacred places would have to be the empty tomb. I don't know if the tomb that they show when you go to the Holy Land is the tomb or not. But I do know that Mary of Magdalene was standing at the original empty tomb. 
And I do believe that it probably had to be one of the most sacred places in all the world. It's a monument and a testimony of victory. Good had won the battle over bad. Life had won the victory over death. Heaven had struck an eternal blow to hell itself, bless your heart. And if ever there was a place that was sacred in all the world, it would have to be at the tomb. But Mary had a problem. She was looking at a place and not a person. Then I think of Calvary. That has to be a sacred place. Is it possible to be at Calvary? I witness still seeing our Savior bleed and die and still be on the outside. The outside of faith. The outside of safety, the outside of salvation, the outside of blessing, the outside of the provision of God. Is it possible to stand at the cross, the most sacred place that you and I can ever imagine? Is it possible that you and I could stand at Calvary, hear about Calvary, experience Calvary, and still be weeping inside? I don't know about you, but I, I dare say there was throngs of gaping men standing at Calvary and yet still stood outside. If Caiaphas was there, if Pilate was there, if Annas was there, if, uh, if, if Judas was there, if all of the soldiers were there, the centurion was there and he witnessed everything. And after the rocks rent and the earth shook, the Bible said he testified, surely I missed it. This was The Son of God. We hang crosses about our neck and forget to hang one in our heart. We hang them in our house and forget to hang one in our heart. We have taken the sacredness out of the cross and out of the empty tomb. Now we put bunny rabbits. Rabbits that lays eggs, nonetheless. You say, you got anything against rabbits? No. I'd like to have one that laid eggs. You ever think about this? If a rabbit laid eggs, it never loses feathers. Sacred places, being in a sacred place, yet still being outside. And then I thought of a sacred place, not sacred to us any longer, but sacred to the Savior. He said, and upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he is the head of the church, the body. He loved the church, the Bible said, and gave himself for it. 
We've taken the sacredness out of the church. We might be close to that crowd that Jesus drove out of the temple and said, you've made my house a den of thieves. And we've so downgraded the church. Although to us, it's not sacred. But to him, it is. Many still attend our church and they are their church and they're still outside. They walk the halls, they sit the pews, they enjoy the air conditioning. But reverend... Sacred to them? Nay. Question, Mary, what are you doing on the outside? Weeping. She saw the wrong thing. Supposed the wrong thing. Said the wrong thing. Today, I'd hate to say how many years I've been preaching the gospel to you. And so far, it hadn't worked. We treat the church in ways that if we treated our wife, she'd divorce us. We accuse, we ridicule, we run down the church. You say, no, I'm running you down. I understand that. <laughs> but I am not the church. And yet, you come, you sit, you listen, you come weeping. And you leave weeping. You come empty. You leave empty. You come at your bidding. You leave at your bidding. You come looking, supposing, and talking. Is there a truth with Mary or us. Well, preacher, I'm just looking for the church of my choice. What about the church of his choice? Well, I'm just looking for one where my kids will be happy. They ain't even happy at home. Why would you think I would be able to jump through hoops and make your kids happy when you can't do it? The problem with us is we're standing in a sacred place, weeping. Well, I've got to be done in two minutes. So these next points are going to really be swift. Ready? 
Is it possible to hear a solemn message and still be outside? Turn your Bible, Matthew chapter 28, please. I'm going to hurry. I'm going to finish this in the next minute if it... um, Well, I ain't no use me to start lying about that, but I I am going to finish real quick. Notice, standing in a sacred place, but still being outside. Hearing a solemn message, Matthew 28, and here's another, another, uh, another uh, writer written from a different slant of the same event. In the end of the Sabbath, at the beginning of the dawn, toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and Mary to see the sepulcher. Can you hear a solemn message and still be outside? Verse 11 said, she stood outside weeping within. And the Bible said, behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came, rolled back the stone from the door and set up on it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. You would think with all that going on, Mary might have come to the opinion something unusual has happened. No, no, she's still looking for a dead guy. Nope, she's still got her perfumes and the loaves and all that. Nope, she's got, in her mind, she's going to go down there and further prepare the body of our Lord so that he will not, uh, uh, the odor will not be detestable. Three days after that, they always feathered the embalming process. She has seen Angel come from heaven. She has witnessed a gigantic earthquake. She has seen the stone rolled away. She has seen the keepers shaking in their boots. But what a coincidence. What a coincidence. And then she hears something in verse 5 and 6. In verse 5 and 6, And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. She could have said, big deal, I know that. You telling me something I don't know? He is not here. What's the rest of it? He is risen as he said. Why ain't she shouting? Why ain't she running a Baptist fit around the graveyard? Why hadn't she woke up the rest of the people in the graveyard a shouting and jumping and praising God? Well, she just don't embarrass herself. That's not it at all. She stood in the sacred place. She heard the solemn message and still she You know, many folks are like that around here. Hmm? I got to close. 
Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I've been preaching that for 46 years. If you've been here very long, you've heard me preach that, because I do not preach that I do not let you know that. And you attend and attend and attend and attend. And Jesus said, you will not come unto me. That you might have life. Heard the solemn message. Still outside weeping. Could I please suggest to you today. Look at verse 14. I'm done. Verse 14 of the book of John. Chapter number 20. Back to the original text. She stood in a sacred place and still was without. She heard a solemn message and still she stands outside weeping. And then in verse 14, and when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus Standing. Verse 16. Jesus says unto Mary, and she turned herself. Now don't miss this, I'm done. The reason she was outside weeping, she was looking in the wrong direction. Many come to a sacred place and hear a solemn message and still looking in the wrong direction. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My hope is all laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We come to a sacred place and hear a solemn message looking in the wrong direction all the time when all we've got to do is just turn in His direction and He'll be standing there every time. Turn. Oh, turn. Weird. Turn. Except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And except you repent, you shall likewise perish. What's repent? Turn. Turn. When you get tired of coming to church and looking in the wrong direction and leaving as empty as you came, all you got to do is turn. And he'll be standing there every time. Saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And all of God's people said, standing without while weeping within. I've never seen 
So many professing Christians, so miserable. I've never witnessed in all my life so many homes on the rocks and relationships souring. I've never seen so many rebellious kids in all of my life of church attenders. It's amazing to me that we could be in a sacred place here in a sacred and Solomon, Solomon's message and still be weeping within. Moreover, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached and which you received and wherein you stand and whereby you are saved if you keep in memory those things which I preach lest you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins and was buried and on the third day rose again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto all, everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. For the scripture says, whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord which is rich unto all, to them that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You leave weeping, it'll be your fault. Because you've heard a solemn message about a sovereign Savior who raised, bless your heart, from the dead. And ever lives to make intercession for our sins. And the same God that raised him from the dead, if the Spirit of God dwell in you, he shall also quicken your mortal body. Hallelujah. Glory to God, it's nothing to be sad about. It's victory. Thank God the tomb is empty. Well, before I die of a heart attack, I'm done.